Hello, and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Calvin with Footnote Trivia in San Francisco. I'm Oliver with Speakeasy Trivia in San Francisco. I'm Jeremy with Liquid Courage in Chicago. And I'm Jeff with RMT Trivia, also in Chicago. And hold on a second. Speakeasy Trivia? Yeah, wait a second. What? Uh, Tell us more. uh, (laughs) Well, uh, I just started doing more uh, corporate gigs and I needed a name for myself. So uh, I've just been kind of racking my brain for the past couple weeks. And uh, that's what I came up with. Yeah, (laughs) I like it. For for, like it too. (laughs) For the listeners, uh, we have been helping, or rather, being very unhelpful, uh, coming up with uh, company names for Oliver for the last couple weeks or so as he's been trying to think of something. I keep suggesting um, the uh, God damn it, I'm not going to remember it, so this is going nowhere. But we all keep suggesting really bad topics or really bad company names. I yeah. think the leader, leading candidate was All-Star Trivia due to his fondness for Smash Mouth songs. <laughs> so I, I like to I, think I, uh, it was a tough decision to make. Yes. At my uh, weekly uh, Zoom live show, there was like a four or five week stint where I trolled them with Smash Mouth All-Star in different um, capacities. So it became kind of a running joke. <laughs> Um, for my regular goers. <laughs> then you know, there was the one, was it high school dropout trivia? I kept uh, <laughs> I kept suggesting uh, Baron's awesome radical trivia, and you could just call it BART for short because there's no way that that would cause any issues in the Bay Area whatsoever. And Actually, everyone <laughs> loves BART over here. Yeah, it's their everyone. favorite type of transport. It's perfectly quiet, smooth. Everyone <laughs> on it is pleasant. And everyone those- wants to ride the BART. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Bay Area, BART is Bay Area Rapid Transit. That is our like underground or not underground, sometimes underground kind of a subway type system that is dirty, smelly and uh, (laughs) leaves a lot to be desired. But I did find out that if you are in a different industry, you can use the same name. So the the kind of... um, deciding factors, would it confuse the consumer? So if I did BART trivia, that would not interfere with BART, um, you know, public transit users. Although they might get really confused thinking they're going to a trivia show about the BART. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It's just questions about Simpsons and the Bay Area rapid transit. That's it. No other (laughs) BARTs. It's uh, which car on the uh, BART that goes to the airport does not smell like piss? Uh, None of the above. (laughs) Trick question. (laughs) Okay. Well, Oliver, you've probably considered a couple of team names, but you probably also eliminated a lot of bad names. Uh, Yeah. So for all of us trivia hosts out there, I'm sure we've all Googled trivia questions or purchased trivia books to find material for those questions. How many times have we browsed through those lists or books of 100, 1,000, or even 5,087 questions only to realize (laughs) how useless a majority of those questions are? We all strongly agree. But why exactly are they useless? What makes them bad questions? In this episode, we're going to discuss some common pitfalls and why we decide to leave questions on the cutting room floor. That 5,087 is like oddly specific. 
Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a book called Five Thousand Eighty Seven Questions and Answers. It's actually uh, I was looking through it today for some examples, and it's actually not a terrible book. Uh, I've bought many many worse ones. That one's actually fairly decent. At least you know a hundred of those Five Thousand Eighty Seven are usable. <laughs> I feel like it was supposed to be fifty one hundred uh, questions, and there's like. I can't think. I honestly cannot think of anything else. I'm done. I tap out. Five thousand eighty-seven. We're changing the title. And just or maybe they left it. thirteen on the cutting room floor. Like even these are too terrible for our book. All right. So let's let's get the really big, easy things out of the way. So, what are the best examples of a bad question that you guys well, can think of? I guess for starters, we could probably leave with just that bad questions are wrong. <laughs> they're they're incorrect in some form or another. Uh, so, Calvin, what do you mean by wrong? I mean, obviously, there's incorrect, but are there other sort of caveats? Uh, well, so like one thing I was thinking of was just it recently. I remember hearing a question about uh, countries, and since the geopolitical climate is always changing countries are being introduced renamed uh it's always a kind of an area where you can easily go wrong for example what's the largest country by area in africa it used to be sudan until sudan split into sudan and south sudan uh, now it's algeria and sudan's number three uh, that um that brings one to mind that i've actually personally asked before uh one was uh back a f few years ago was what was the highest grossing R-rated film? And the answer back then was Passion of the Christ, which has now uh, been supplanted by, what, Deadpool 2, and then again, more, more recently, by Joker. So my question would be doubly wrong uh, if I asked it today, but I always double check. But um, that's another kind of uh, wrongness, I guess, if you reuse or um, if you buy an old book and you're just trying to come up with a question and you don't even think about it and write it down, um, another pitfall that we could uh, fall into. I say, I think one of the biggest things you have to remember when writing questions is if it looks very straightforward like that, just do two minutes of research to make sure that, um, you know, that it's still relevant and it's still the right answer. And I fall into this pitfall myself. I'm sure we all have at some point where we're like, oh, I like this question. It played really well last time. And you ask it and you didn't realize a week ago, somebody broke a record <laughs> or something along this, or a country just split. Um, and you didn't really think of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least at least that's an easy pitfall to avoid. Do your research. Check your Check your sources. If you're using an older book, make sure that you're keeping up to date on records. Uh, or if it's your own question, just every now and then do like a little do a little housekeeping. You know, go through and be like, okay, this is about a record. Should I mark this in a different way? I remember seeing somebody in the trivia co-op had marked any of their questions that dealt with records or uh, something that would be time sensitive with an asterisk. So in the future, if they reuse that question, it, they knew immediately to double check and make sure it was correct. So that's an easy one to that's an easy one to fix. Don't ask questions that are just wrong. And that's yeah. a great um, suggestion. Yeah. That's something I actually thought of, like, with my old questions. After I archive them, like, I, I might have to go back through some of the ones I have archived right now and look for ones that were, um, like, relevant to that week or something like that. Like, example, Billie Eilish winning the uh, five big oh, yeah. awards at the Grammys. Knocks well, Christopher what if somebody Cross does that next year? Yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, that that's just one example I can think of right off the top of my head that I asked because it was relevant to the week and was big news. Um, another one of my, uh, <laughs> it doesn't come up that often, especially when you're uh, getting professionally edited trivia books, but a lot of online quizzes or repositories of trivia questions have really poor grammar or hidden question words that confuse uh, that confuse what the question is. So, I mean, arguably, there is a better way to state something. Uh, so the the example that I have is, <clears throat> uh, what country's capital and largest city is Beirut? That's an okay sentence, but it doesn't roll off the tongue as easily as Beirut is the capital and largest city of what country? Because it puts the question at the end of the sentence, and it kind of just the way that you present the question itself could be worse. Even if it's a perfectly legitimate trivia question, you know, if you start off with the question word and get all the way to the end of the question, it might uh, obfuscate what you're actually looking for. So whereas Beirut is the capital and largest city of Lebanon is a fairly easy to state sentence on its own. Uh, Lebanon Lebanon's capital and largest city is Beirut. Uh, it, 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 that's just personal preference for me, but I've seen questions that have been made bad by poor grammar, passive voice, things like that. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, I, uh, I, whenever I write a question or when I get to its final form, I always read it out loud a couple of times to make sure it flows, it um, sounds right, it, the question is where it's supposed to be. Um, I, I've, I've found that on time sometimes i'm short uh, on time and i get a question from somewhere if it's not written in the voice that i usually written in that i usually write in i find myself tripping up on it when i'm reading it to the audience so that's another like reason to kind of um i don't turn questions into your own voice that's a different topic altogether but as a as a general practice i i read the question out loud a couple times just to make sure it sounds right Another another type of kind of uh, bad grammar would be not being specific enough or, or having an ambiguous question. Um, uh, something like, uh, who is the most decorated Olympian of all time? In what capacity? Like most medals, most gold medals? Uh, you know, like if you're excluding information needed to get to a specific answer, that makes it too ambiguous to be a good question. You have to either add more or define your terms a little bit clearly in the shorter question. Yeah. And I think it's important with that too, that like, if you're asking a biggest question, like give a clue to like point them in the right direction. Um, one that stood out to me from a, a quiz that we did a couple of weeks ago online, it just said, what mammal has the longest gestation period? Well, if you know that an elephant does, you know the answer. If you don't, you have no ends to figure that out because what mammal does not narrow it down nearly enough? Um, for me, I would take that and add like, what mammal has the longest gestation period? Um, once you hear the answer to this, you'll never forget. Oh, that, oh that's pretty good. You are a yeah. wordsmith, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something, something along like some kind of into just a base level question like if i was taking a quiz in an anatomy class or a zoology class i would expect to see that question at pub trivia maybe not so much so we got two good fixes one's for uh, avoiding wrong answers by just kind of double checking 
your questions before you ask them. And we got uh, poorly worded or ambiguous questions, which is kind of like say it out loud, right? And see how it's doing it. And then there's kind of one more area that I don't think we really dive too much into because we all are good human beings and <laughs> avoid this most of the time. kind of subconsciously. But just like you don't want to ask questions about like downer or insensitive topics. <laughs> like you don't want to bring down a whole room with a real, you know, a real downer question about like dictatorships or genocides or something really morbid. Have you guys ever encountered a situation like that where you heard a question like, ooh, uh, cringy? <laughs> I, I've had uh, the few times that I've spent with a company that I, I won't say the name of because they're uh, a company that operates in the same area as me. Um, their history what, what does it rhyme with? <laughs> <laughs> Biquid Lurridge. <laughs> oh. They... Um, their history questions are very, um, what's a, a a nice way to say they don't care about bringing the room down. Um, <laughs> they, it, it's it's hard to describe, but if I was going to ask a question about like genocide or something like that, I would ask about like the end of it or like something that happened that brought to end a terrible dictator. Or if I was talking about a dictator, uh, I would do something to make him seem silly. Like, for instance, uh, I just recently asked a question about Idi Amin, whose self-given title is ridiculous. It's like 50 words long, and it's nonsense. And that makes a question about an awful dictator a little bit more funny just because it makes him seem stupid in his own words. Uh, but there is the, the trivia company that I would go to. They would just talk about Auschwitz and... And, you know, I don't even want to get into the stuff that they brought up as just flat history questions because it was really downers. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about silly, fun things. Like, it, it just it, it made the night. It gave you a bad taste in your mouth about the entire evening just because it's like, oh, I don't want to get a question right about that. That's gross. Let's not, you know. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you can't separate the textbook from kind of a social or entertainment event. Yeah. See, kind of along those same lines, I was, I, I've been sitting in on a lot of trivia streams, whether I'm playing or not, I'm just watching them, especially ones I've never heard of the company before or whatever, uh, that have been on Twitch. Uh, and one of them, as I was just kind of listening along for maybe 10, 15 minutes while I was watching it, like, I, I forgot the exact question, but it was something about Jeffrey Epstein. Uh. And it's like, eh, and the way it was right. worded, like they, they included just something like, at least warn people. Um, because that, you know, it doesn't bother me, but that can be a triggering thing for people. Yeah. But like, um, why, like as a trivia host, why would you even want to go there? Unless current event are, type stuff. I know, but unless you are working for, you know, one of those big box companies and, you know, you have your supplied set of questions as an independent trivia host, shouldn't you just generally avoid that? Even I guess some people think of it as current events, right? They're just like, oh, this person's in the news. And they don't really have that like little voice in their head that's like, uh, is that a good thing to ask? Right. They just kind of like, it's news. They'll pull it from like like a times list of what happened this week. Yeah. And they just blindly make questions like, oh, people know who Epstein is. Let's write a question about him. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it's relevant in the news doesn't mean it's a good topic for your show. I would say, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, it's relevant. We all know about it. We all know how 
awful of a person he was. I don't need to pop up, uh, you know, with specific things he was charged with or going to be charged with in a trivia show. I can tell one, I'll try to keep it short, but slightly humor story about a time. It was, I thought it was like a history about the, like the Bay Area, about around San Francisco. So I was asking about, there's a place called the Tanferan Racetrack that was used for a certain purpose during World War II. And ask what purpose was used for. And as people were turning it in, this guy walks up with the answers and he's Japanese. And he just like very exaggeratedly looks me in the eye and like drops in his answer and just stares me down the entire time. And the whole room is like laughing because like this guy's doing it intentionally, like in a humorous manner. And for those of you who don't know, it was used as an internment campsite. So like that guy was like, he diffused the uh the question i could say i i didn't really think of it as potentially upsetting people and it wasn't until that point I'm like oh yeah this might be something that people know people who have experienced before and maybe that's not always the best thing but i thought he was a real good sport for like kind of like you know making fun of it taking it lightheartedly and just cracking a joke about it at least he did that um because exactly. it could have it could have been bad it would be like <laughs> Asking specific things about acts that happened at um, like Auschwitz or something instead of asking about the history of it. Like there's there's different ways to ask a question to get to the same type of answer um, that can be less distasteful. Definitely. But even then, you're like, I learned my lesson. Yeah. Try a lot more carefully. <laughs> like I don't think I would ever throw a question about Auschwitz into a show. <laughs> but that was an example of like kind of the same thing. It's that can be touchy to some people for very good reason. Definitely. Maybe not piss off some of your crowd. <laughs> and I guess like, are there, so are there any, like based on that, are there any topics that you kind of just steer away from? Like maybe they don't always, they're not always going to be touchy subjects, but you're just like, you know what? I'm not going to ask questions about this. I tend to avoid almost any religion questions unless it's uh, where the religion is the answer. So I wouldn't ask about like John the Baptist or anything like that, but I'd ask about, uh, Catholicism or something. Um, and that, that one is just because I feel like that's a very specific knowledge set that um, I just don't want, uh, I don't want anyone to feel like they aren't able to answer a question just because they don't go to church enough. That's just not a vibe that I want to send out. Um, or don't have the same faith as you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and um it's a really it's a really slippery slope if you ask um greek mythology questions <laughs> um, i'm just kidding now like uh if you <clears throat> i know depending on where you live to this is a very different conversation i know that there are some some areas that have bible trivia every week that is just something that they add into their game every week but um I, the area that I live in is uh, lots and lots of different people. So I don't want to feel like I don't want anyone to feel like I'm skipping out on any religion. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I didn't ask a question about Islam this week. I, you know, you know, so I just I tend to avoid that just uh, if I don't dip my toe into the pool more than a little, then I don't have to worry about really upsetting anybody or having anybody feel left out or guilty, you know, things like that. Yeah. I think the same goes uh, as well as that. Cause that, that's a fantastic example. I've never asked a specific religion question for the same purposes. 
Um, and it goes into politics too. You can ask stuff about the history of politics, but I tend to stay away from things um, that could uh, like lean towards like pissing off half the room. Yeah. I just stay away from current events in politics. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if, if it's gone on like more than five, 10 years, sure. I'll call that history, but yeah, I, I personally avoid current events. What about you, Oliver? Anything that you kind of shy away from? Um, no, I think it's all been pretty much uh, covered. I know like one thing uh, I have in mind is it's not questions, it's music is because I'm always, you know, come up music around and stuff. I've, I never play like Chris Brown. <laughs> like I refuse to play Chris Brown. Uh, Our Kelly mission is now like off, you know, it's like, so, um, you know, stuff like that. But uh, you, I think uh, everyone, I think it's all been kind of covered. And the other one that I just wanted to bring up really quick too is uh, something I made sort of the mistake of, not too bad, but um, going too deep into like a literature topic that maybe geeky people like me might be into that the general public isn't. Like as an example, it might be okay to ask about Harry Potter because it's such a big cultural phenomenon. Maybe not so much about uh, the Driss Duorden series by R.A. Salvatore or the Harry Dresden series uh, by Jim Butcher uh, that very you know big subsets of people have read. They're both number one bestsellers, but they're very genre specific and not like huge pop culture, like, you know, references. Yeah. So I think you're getting on to a great point about not being interesting to your target demographic. So. We cover kind of the big things, right? Like things that everyone agrees on. Yeah. You don't want to offend people. You don't want to be wrong. And you, yeah, and you don't want to be unclear. But then there's a lot of questions that pass all those checks, but we still don't really like them. So maybe we can start talking about, okay, we got the obvious things out of the way. What else kind of goes into determining whether we skip this question? And we're like, eh, that's not a really good one. Well, I guess one of the first things that um, that I think makes bad questions, especially when I'm trolling the internet for trivia fodder, uh, are things that are just too easy. Like, it, it definitely only has one answer, and everybody who read the question will absolutely know the answer. Hands down, you don't even have to talk to your friends. Like, it's just an easy question. Yeah, like, I think there's a time and place for that. Like, maybe the first question can be easy just to, like, you know, get people acquainted with it. But if you're asking that like near the end of your night or like halfway through, it it's like, okay, you're just kind of wasting time and a question, right? Like your your audience is going to be too happy if everyone gets it. They don't, they're not going to use that opportunity to uh, jump the rankings knowing that everyone got the question. Yeah. And, ju- and just to clarify a little bit more about what I mean, I don't mean a question that you have gotten, like just you happen to know that trivia fact and you know the answer. What I'm saying is just <clears throat> on a general basis, if you were to read that question to 100 people on the street, 99 of them would get it correct without even thinking about it. Those are the type of easy questions that I'm talking about, not not something that one one savant on your team goes, oh, I absolutely know this, you know, because that's wonderful because then he gets to explain the answer to the people on his team because not everybody else on the team knows that. I'm talking specifically about ones that are um, just so jaw-droppingly simple <laughs> that appears so often on the internet. I, I don't know who writes these. 
but good good gravy. But also, <laughs> we were talking before uh, the podcast, just um, going over some notes, and and Calvin came gave a great, great oh, yeah. example. Uh, okay, uh, this was uh, when I played trivia ages ago before I became a trivia host. It still stands out to me because it wasn't the first question. It was halfway through the night. It was which U.S. president played high school basketball with the nickname Barry Obama. I mean, it's obviously Gerald Ford, right? Um, yeah, that's exactly it's right. It's got to be Abraham Lincoln. Basketball Abraham Lincoln. for the University of Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Good old Gerald Barry Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Obama Ford to you. Barry Obama Ford, yes. So, like, I mean, is that a fun question? Yeah. Like, is it a fun fact? Yes. It's and definitely I'm sure it got a fun some good fact. chuckles. Like, I'm sure, yes. like, the room was like, <laughs> but a good joke does not necessarily make for a good question. So, like, my entire team just, like, rolled our eyes and were like, really? Really? And it would have been, I mean, I don't want to necessarily shame anyone for not knowing it, but it's, you'd have to literally have your head under a rock with regards to news for to not know who that was. And this was back when he was president. That's a hint for the people who haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my distinct memory. Uh, years later, years later, I still remember it. So, um, I mean, hey, that, it was good in one respect, right? <laughs> Touche. That's a very good point. I still remember it. So. You'll never forget that trivial fact. Never forget that in case... It wasn't clear right now. Barack Obama played high school basketball with the nickname Barry Obama. I'm going to submit that Barry Obama as a keyword challenge question. Barry Obama. <laughs> 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 oh. Today's keyword challenge is Barry Obama. Obama. <laughs> Go. See what you guys can come up with. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just to reiterate, like questions that are too easy are just kind of wasted time. All right. So we, we, we went over our... Uh, uh, examples of questions that are too easy. I think there's the opposite of that, though, and that would be questions that are just way too hard. Um, what do you guys uh, think of that? Have, have you had that come up at your shows? Have you asked a question that was just yes. way out there? Yeah, I think all of us have asked questions way too hard, and you can tell it's way too hard because, like, you could kind of, like for the like there's tough questions that people are still trying, and then there's tough questions where it's just no one can even guess. Yeah. A correct answer right they're just like uh it just sucks the air out of the room like you finish reading the question and silence just everybody's like what the fuck just happened <laughs> yeah yeah and then you, you got have... the one guy in the room and everybody hears his pencil scratching yeah or like the, or our shows like the whiteboard like screeching of the marker like and everybody else just sitting there like what yeah it's the it's the trivia the trivia version of like the old-timey sitcom record scratch you know and then the entire room shuts up like it's i think all of us are guilty of this uh as trivia writers you just write something like jeremy was talking about earlier write something that is so in your wheelhouse that you can't believe for a second that nobody knows this answer and then literally nobody knows the answer it's just uh nobody can get it right or it's written in a in a fashion that makes it hard enough that people can't get the answer that you're asking them to get um, I do a thing 
in my live trivia where if I ask a question that everybody gets wrong, I put it into the file of bad questions that I'll never ever talk about again. Um, I think the very first, the very first question that I asked was, uh, the mountain K2 lies on the border of two countries. And I wanted them to name both of the countries, which isn't a great trivia question. It might be better if it was named one of the two countries who that K2 lies on the, on the border. Um, but I don't think I could get both. Yeah. I, I I don't remember off the top of my head. I believe it's China and Pakistan, but I could be wrong because I haven't looked it up. Everyone put Nepal, didn't they? Uh, it's possible, but nobody got both of them correct. So I I put it in the file of bad questions and I've never asked that specific question about K2. Um, but it just sucked the air out of the room. Just everybody was like, I guess we'll guess, you know, I, I don't know where to go with this. And and it just kind of sucks the air out of the room. You know, can in, can any of you think of any other instances where um, either at your own game or, or at your own game where you've, oh, this question is great. And then it just totally bombs or you've attended trivia yourself and um, that's happened where you're just sitting there staring at each other. I mean, uh, I've definitely played a show where it wasn't like it was maybe half the room, not even half the room, maybe like 20 percent of the room got it. And I was sitting there with. uh I think we had five or six people. We'd all just met up for a beer and to play trivia at a random show we'd never been to before. And we're just looking at each other and we play trivia. Like we host trivia, a couple of us. And we're just looking at you like, I have no clue at all. And you see, like I said, you know, it's the same thing where you hear like the pencil scratch from like the two or three people in the room who know it. And it's, it's just disheartening being on the team. So a lot of times when I'm writing my questions, I try to put myself in the player speed, player spot too. Um, how are they going to take it? Especially after, you know, like I said, I've asked questions, not thinking of it where it's so in my wheelhouse, like we just talked about, um, where I can't believe nobody knows this. So I try to take a step back and go, is this just me? And how are the teams going to react to it? Yeah, uh, it's I, like uh, when your trivia goers um, come and talk to you after the show and like, hey, you know, it'd be a great question. And they spit out this very nuanced, <laughs> you know, specific thing that only they would know. You know what I mean? And oh, I love those. And they just, yeah. they don't understand why that's not a good question. It's like, well, no one else will get that. And they'd say, exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because they would get it and yeah. no one else will. Right. Exactly. That's their answer, right? So I have one really short story because, Oliver, you just reminded me. There was a girl at my live show who had a couple too many drinks to drink and at the really end of the night she comes to me and she's like you should ask you should pl- or you should ask more questions about brian eno i'm like <laughs> that, that ambient music guy who did <laughs> music for airport she's like no another question i'm like what other okay, question like, am i gonna put i'm gonna put my trivia audience to sleep and i'm gonna lull them into a sense of calmness and es- elevator music i don't know so yeah that's i remember her that's a that's a fun one and i think this kind of goes into our next part too um which is you know i'd say not all easy questions are bad questions not all hard questions are bad questions but the key is to having the teams engage on them yes i agree yes yeah you want that chatter in the background right you want that like attempt at the discussion you want that banter you want you want teams to talk to each other that's the whole point of having teams yeah and even if they don't come up with the right answer at least they tried yeah it wasn't so blatantly hard or just blatantly easy where somebody just wrote it down and then they just 
you know, sat there um, where they're they're working together to try to. I, th- I think the part of that comes into uh, something I mentioned earlier with if, if the question's too straightforward and there's no ends to it, like put some clues in the questions. Like if, it, if you think it's a hard question, give the teams an in. I guess you could also flip it on, say, like if you discuss engagement in the context of a really easy question, if it's a really short, easy question, there's really nothing to discuss. Right. It's like this fact is true. Yes, that is the fact. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's if you have like a humorous quip or you have a fun fact about a really obvious answer, at least you could discuss like, oh, really? Did that actually happen? Like, I don't I wouldn't believe that. Like, I thought it was something else or right. Like there's there's got to be a little more to talk about other than just say this is the answer. We're done with our job silence. Right. You want to get some rapport going, even if it's not about your question. Right. Yeah. Even if it's not trying to answer that question right then and there, at least the group's talking to each other, having a good time. That's the kind of atmosphere I'd like to set. Yeah. I, yeah. And you, you want to make sure people come back to your show. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the key when you're hosting a live trivia show is that people want to come and play again. Um, I think if you ask too many hard questions or just things where people aren't engaging with each other and enjoying the bar atmosphere, having a drink and talking, they're not going to come back to your show again. They'll go somewhere else. One of the questions that I've found uh, has a, a really good engagement or one of the question styles, I should say, uh, at least when talking about what I'm looking for for engagement is I do tri-bond questions where I'll name three movies and I'll say, give me the one person that was in all three of these. Oh, and those are those are fun ones. Yeah, because if you don't know the answer outright, because I, I try to write them so you have to go through the lists of people who's in the shows. So even if movies aren't your thing, you might remember like the this previous week I asked one uh, the the actor that was in uh, Armageddon, Friday Night Lights, and Eagle Eye. And the answer is Billy Bob Thornton. But if you don't know the answer directly, you have to go, okay, who is in Armageddon? Okay, so uh, Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, uh, crazy Russian, Peter Stormare. You know, like you st- uh, oh, who was that guy? You know, you get p- people talking. Um, and that that's the engagement that you want that's the engagement that you want from your team. Yeah. So the opposite of that would be asking something that's just, I don't know what the opposite of that would be. Who Some, won the Academy Award in 1971 for Best Actress? Yeah. 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 Okay. What do you got? What yeah. do you got? Yeah. It's something that's just. Just rote <laughs> memorization, right? Like yeah. questions. Yeah. Or, uh, or, or sports questions, you know. Some people are just. So, uh, I have so many friends. Uh, one one of my best friends is just so. He just has an encyclopedic knowledge. He can just remember everything. He he eats, breathes sports. You know, and I I don't even remember who won the Super Bowl like two years ago. Like I'd have to really <laughs> really think about it hard. And partly it's because my Chargers fucking suck. But, uh, other than are that, they your Chargers I, still, or the fact that they moved is? Uh, I, it's. It's hard to love another child. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mom and dad had to split them in the separation. <laughs> yeah. I go visit them in Los Angeles, even though I like San Diego. Getting back to engagement, um, I think that all of us can agree that one of the last things that we want to hear, whether it's because the question is too hard or because the question was written in such a way that nobody can talk it through, we don't want to hear silence, you know, like that's, that's just one of the things that we want to avoid. And I think 
um, one of the other outcomes of that is just the teams giving up. Like they, you ask a question that's either so outside of their wheelhouse or it's too hard or there's no way for them to talk it through. They, you know, teams will just give up and you don't, you ask too many questions like that in a single night and that team's not coming back or that team, like for people that aren't trivia hosts, that, that person will not read your trivia page again, or, you know, any number of different things. Like when you make the teams give up, you know, be it because it's too hard or they can't actually talk the question through, they're not coming back. Yeah. In the end, you know, trivias are generally what Tuesdays, Wednesday, cause those are the slowest nights. So especially in San Francisco, you can go to, you could throw a rock and find another trivia joint, right? Like, so you need to find that thing that, sets you apart from other hosts. And I think, I mean, the general baseline of that is uh, don't ask bad questions. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I want to just emphasize again on like getting your teams to engage. Like it's even if there's like a brainiac on their team that gets the questions right and could win the game by themselves, people still aren't super happy about that kind of situation. I think it's that fine balance of, I like I I think like deep down when I write trivia questions I want to reward the team discussion right I want to reward teams that have good rich conversations where I don't expect one person necessarily come up with the answer themselves but with the support of their team and like maybe be like eh, I don't think so or yeah that's a really good idea run with that yeah I, I think there's a lot of um a feeling of as working on a team like a sense of accomplishment and like how like it, it's it leaves a really good taste in their mouth when they actually were able to pull the right answer to a, a harder question um by working together yeah, pulling out the clues like versus you know, like game shows like jeopardy right it's like jeopardy is just one person like a, pu- a pub trivia is about getting a group to come up collectively with an answer yeah even conversely even if they didn't get it right sometimes uh when you reveal the answer one person from the group was will stand up and say, I told you so, you know, like they had mentioned it in that conversation. And that's that's really the goal right there. Not necessarily the fact that, you know, I mean, obviously they want to get it right, but that's the goal for us as trivia hosts is to get that discussion and having that one person, oh, may could be that. And then, you know, them proving their friends right uh, at the end. I think I think all of us have been part of that on both sides. I know that I've known the answer and they didn't listen to me. And I've known where, like, I have talked the person out of the right answer because I was so <laughs> sure. Like, when I heard, like, oh, I have this hunch. And, like, no, it makes sense. It's totally this. Like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Babe Ruth. Like, no, 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 no. It's, it's completely and utterly uh, Jackie Robinson. You know, like, yeah. just naming two random baseball players. And I it's like. I know for a fact that it's passion of the Christ. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and all right, fine. Put it down. If you're so sure about it, you know, if, if you if you have that much thunder, go with it. And then you just talk them out of the wrong answer. And then there's two ways to feel about it. Like you laugh or you feel like a complete trash for like two minutes. But it's fun because it's with your friends. You know, it's like, damn, now I feel like a dick. Yeah. And, right. and then usually it'll turn into, all right, you get the next round. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Team teams. I owe, I owe you guys shots. That was that was my bad, you know? Yeah. Oh, no, that does remind me. I had one team of regulars who they had that rule for themselves. And I remember like sometimes I'll just be asked a question and I'll see like one guy come up. He's like, oh, yeah, four beers, please. I'm like, you told him not to use that answer. He's like, yeah. 
That was me. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole team knew it. And I talked him out of it. I, I've had that happen too, where it's like, everyone's like, I, I think he's right. Like, no, no, I'm sure it is this. I know it. But like, you're just like thinking of like the wrong fact. Like it's the right answer to the wrong question. But that's still great. In the end, that's great. You know, you guys are talking yeah. about it. You're excited about it. And that's what trivia is all about. Yeah. So with that said, um, does anyone have any, to wrap up this topic, does anyone have any favorite bad questions, anything that comes to mind um, from either, <laughs> I don't know, that you've asked yourself or or that you've uh, heard while participating in trivia? One of the ones that... Uh this one would be, uh, I don't know if we'd call it like a, a trivia sin, but this one committed the trivia sin of uh, cutting off all engagement between my team. Um, the question was, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but the question that we were asked was, uh, much like scavenging is searching the ground for food, what is the term for when animals uh, search through trees, like for leaves? So it was essentially like when a giraffe is eating from a tree what is that process called and we're like what the fuck like who <laughs> i'm like like what foraging kind of- <laughs> is the only word i can kind yeah, of come up with it, the the correct answer it's called browsing when when animals are walking <laughs> past higher up trees it's browsing and That's- all of us just kind of sat at the table like in silence for three minutes like what is this but none of us were talking about it we couldn't talk talk through answers because none of us could even come up with something to start with i mean granted if i remember correctly it was later in the game so it wasn't meant to be a a manageably easy question but it's one of those ones like did you read this specific biology textbook the answer is no then you do not get it correct i don't i don't think anybody uh who wasn't cheating (laughs) got that correct i don't even know if that's an appropriate term for it. That might not even be the actual term. It just shut all of us down. None of us wanted to even, we're like, I guess that, yeah, okay, we got it wrong. Cool. You know, like it just made everybody not happy. (laughs) I think the question that I had in mind elicited the exact same response that you just described. Mm -hmm. But the question is just, what is the Barbie doll's last name? Ugh, Roberts. It's Roberts, yeah, because you're a trivia host, and that's I only know that. Know. Yes, I only know that because I'm a trivia host. But I'll tell you, like, if you get to, like my kind of like strive to thing is, if I get told an answer, there better be a good reason why, or else you're just pulling random facts and asking them. Why would they call the Barbie doll Barbara Millicent Roberts? Barbara makes sense. That's the name of the creator's daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay, there is no one called Roberts. Anywhere in the hierarchy of the creation of the Barbie doll. Nowhere. It's not named after anyone. There's nothing about it. So it's a random name picked. Therefore, A, if you don't know it, it's impossible to figure out. B, you can't, it doesn't even, like, like, I think my team was like, maybe it's an alliteration because that's cute. No. Like, there's just wild guesses. So, yeah, Roberts, Barbie Roberts. I guess some of you might know that outright, but what's to discuss? <laughs> I only know that because I'm a trivia host. That's that's it. As people think it's clever and witty, it's like, haha, guys don't know what Barbie's last name is because they don't play with dolls. I don't know what's the reasoning for why people think it's a good question, but like there's zero critical thinking is basically it. 
yeah, your reward knowledge, but that's boring to me. Now, see, one that I had come up that I've actually seen twice now in the past six months, and I got it wrong both times <laughs> um, because I have something stuck in my head. And it goes, the question is, how much does each utility property cost in the U.S. version of the board game Monopoly? Uh, 150? Yeah, it's 150. Yes, it does now. But anybody who owns a game, especially growing up, that is more than like six, seven years old, it's 75. Really? What? No, it's always been 150. The version I had growing up was $75. Is that that some Mandala effect going on right now? Maybe. Uh, It could be the Mandala Mandala effect, but I swear to God it was $75 in the version I had growing up. And I... I think the re- the railroads are 150. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of the railroads. You're right. Yeah. Huh. And I didn't know it changed. But apparently the right answer is 150. And we <laughs> argued over this at, at, at a table one night. Um, and it was like, no, I, I have the game at home. It's totally 75. I used to play this all the time as a kid. Now, granted, the version we had was my parents from the 1970s. That's but a very still good the- example of an ambiguous topic. Right. And Board it's, games. but it was like an argument. It wasn't even funny where it's like, no, it's 75. And actually I'm going to Google it right now. Um, <laughs> Monopoly utility cost. And I think I'm going to find the card that says 75. Let's go to images. Okay. Hold on. There it is. There it is. I'm going to put it in. Here we go. Here's the version I had growing up right in our chat. Yeah. What does yeah. that say at the bottom? 75. That's the one, uh, yeah, that's one I grew up with. Yeah. Well, apparently, the new version it's one fifty. So the inflation, man. It, yeah, inflation. yeah, but it, it, the question didn't say in the current version <laughs> yeah. or in the newly updated version of Monopoly because maybe it would have been easier to lean towards. Okay, you know they probably did update it because uh, stuff has changed over time. Um, especially, there's that new version that's like a credit card, and they've changed what? the pieces. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no, there's Monopoly a Monopoly Century edition right that has a credit card. Getting things wrong, right? Like pieces get thrown in and out all the time. You got to clarify localization rules. It's yeah. you got to be real careful when asking questions about Monopoly. Yeah, and uh, it, it's uh, it's just really funny because we were both right, but they were looking for the current version. But it didn't say. I I didn't know it changed. I had no idea. Um, so yeah, that, that's one of those questions like be specific. Um, you don't have to even really change much wording in that, but in, in the current version of the U S version of monopoly or the currently released pricing structure and the, you know, something to say, Hey, this has probably changed if you played a game from the seventies or eighties. Um, because most of us growing up, the people who were at trivia played our parents game. We didn't go on and buy it in high school. (laughs) We had it in the closet. Because Monopoly was a huge thing back in the day. So all of our parents owned Monopoly. I almost guarantee it. Somewhere in a closet, somebody has a copy of Monopoly. Um, you know, it's before the internet and stuff too. So that's what people did. They had board game nights more than they do now. Um, although I'm so happy that it's making a comeback. Uh, until, you know, the apocalypse hit and you can't go anywhere. Um, okay. But so, yeah, anyway. Lesson I'm learned. On a tangent, Monopoly. So, yeah. Jeremy has strong opinions <laughs> about current iterations of Monopoly. Uh, I think, and that's three of us complaining about that questions. Oliver. Yeah, uh, one comes to mind. Uh, I was at trivia. This was actually the trivia host that I was that I was chosen over for my first trivia gig. Um, the other guy was a longtime trivia goer at the same bar, and the um, host was moving on, and he chose me to take over over this guy. So one day I was free. 
um, and I went I went to this bar and he happened to be doing trivia. And, um, you know, this is one of those, uh, I think I felt like listening to this trivia, thinking back on it, like I'm smarter than you kind of trivia hosts. Mm, And um, the question was, and I'll never forget, it was like, what was the name of the lake in War and Peace that so-and-so and and -and so-and-so were walking around during their their discussion about whatever? I was like, what the hell? (laughs) Can you name one Russian lake? (laughs) No. Volstok? Is that one? I don't know. I think there's one that begins with B. Like like Putin? Uh, (laughs) Really deep? You know. I can tell you it's Russian. I can tell you it's Tolstoy. Uh, and that's about it. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah. are you talking about, dude? But yeah, that's my that's my go-to example because it's just like yours burned into my head forever. <laughs> um, Barry Obama. <laughs> that's my Barry Obama. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, if you have any of your favorite question bad questions that you remember and are forever emblazoned in your mind feel free to send them to us quadriviapod at gmail.com we love to hear what bad questions you might remember it really would make our day we're starting an argument in the co-op one of the two (laughs) or we'll Um, use it or we'll use it for our next trivia game yes well actually yeah we'll steal it to use it you'll do our work for us our theme round bad questions Oh, why did everybody leave? I should have done this as round two. <laughs> well, we have talked about bad questions. Let's now try our hands at not writing bad ones and move on to our keyword challenge. All right. So today's keyword comes from Emily W. in Naperville, Illinois. Her keyword for us to write a question about in the next 10 minutes is sting. Wow. Lots is of ways to clear- go. That she means the musician, or that's not specified. Is it capitalized? It, 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 it well. Here's the thing. I, I know the person who wrote the question, and I know that that is her favorite artist. So I am going to say she probably means the artist, but it just says the keyword is sting. There's some proper noun stings out there. Just saying. Yeah. A dream of rain, you live. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take 10 minutes off mic to write some questions, and we'll be back with you guys in what will only seem like 15 seconds. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show. All right, and we are back after having spent about 10 minutes uh, writing our uh, questions for this week's keyword challenge. Uh, If you don't know what the keyword challenge is, this is your first time listening, uh, why? Go back and listen to the old episodes. (laughs) Um, But if it is your first time, I I, I jest. we uh, every week ask listeners for a uh, random keyword to be submitted to us where we as uh, trivia writers will take those 10 minutes and try to write, you know, a decent trivia question. Um, sometimes uh, they are really good and I would use them at my shows anytime and other times I write them and they're terrible. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you can submit your keywords to us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. 
And it looks like Corey might be adding a uh, submit a keyword to our quadriviapodcast.com website as he's been working on that. So with that said, this week's keyword was sting. Uh, this is from Emily W. Uh, from Naperville, Illinois. And uh, Jeff, why don't you give us the question you came up with in the last 10 minutes? Uh, before I read you my question, I just a, a quick note to Emily. Give me back my spell book. That's a, that's a throwback to New Year's Eve. Hope you're doing well, Emily. All right. So here is... That was fun. Uh, here is my question with the keyword sting. I went totally, hopefully, away from everybody else. But here is my question. The Schmidt Sting Pain Index is a pain rating scale of insect bites named after entomologist Justin O. Schmidt. The scale's highest rating is four, and originally only one insect sting was painful enough to be rated a four. That insect, the Paraponera clavata, is better known by what nickname because its sting feels like a gunshot wound. So I know this because of the Avengers. Yeah. Or or one of the Avengers movies. Ant-Man, maybe? Yeah. Ant-Man. I feel like that because clause yep. Yep. made it. Uh, they, it brought it from like a... A 30% confidence to like a 100% confidence. Yeah, I, I didn't want it to be too out there because I, I once I thought about the pain index or the sting pain index scale, I knew it was going to be about one of the top four. Um, so the other ones up there, there's a tarantula hawk. Um, what's the other one that I saw when I was looking around? The, the warrior wasp. Uh, but yeah, the, the answer is indeed the bullet ant. Um, which is known in some uh, Spanish-speaking countries as the 24-hour ant because the wound hurts for a whole day like you've been shot by a gun. All right, Oliver. <laughs> so, uh, I with the capital S sting, I actually started with the uh, wrestler because that's where I went first. And then I decided to pivot. So, I started with the sentence, also known as the WCW counterpart, to the World Wrestling Federation's Hulk Hogan, and then I was like, scrap it. All right. The familiar sequence, but um, is commonly known as a rim shot. A rim shot is only a possible component of what type of short music sequence used for punctuation or to accentuate a joke? I believe that the correct answer is sting. Uh, huh? Bullet ant. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna try and I was gonna try and name drop the actual wrestler Sting, but I don't remember what his real name is. <laughs> uh, it is Steve Borden. So the um, the crux of the question is, what is the name of the the little badumps like that? Well, no, that that part was to get you away from rimshot because if I said badumps, people would be like ah rimshot, right? So okay, although. The familiar sequence but um, is commonly known as a rim shot. A rim shot is only a possible component of what type of short musical sequence used for punctuation or to accentuate a joke. So Okay. So like another example of that would be like um uh if somebody tells a bad joke or something like the trombone goes like wah, wah, or something like that yeah. in the background. Right, right. Oh, yeah, okay. that'd be a sting. Yep. Oh, I would expect it to have been like more Italian, but that's just my music lingo. Yeah. Usually, like in my real questions, I there's not enough in here to like get people to the word sting. So that's what I was struggling with for most of my 10 minutes was to 
But I couldn't, you know, unless I include that first part, also known as the uh, WCW's answer to Hulk Hogan, uh, <laughs> the familiar, you know, which you can very well do. That's an into a question, right? It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be related. Um, but I just decided to go straight forward because um, I think some people will know that. But generally, I would like to give an in. This question doesn't really have one. No, I like that. Like I said, that, that, that fits in with what we were talking about earlier with giving that clue when it's so obscure or hard. Like you gave an entire in to everybody in the room with that first part. So I thought it was really well written. All right, Jeremy, what do you have for us? Uh, I'm going to hell. <laughs> um, here's my question. So my girl is a 1991 coming of age flick starring Macaulay Culkin, Anna Chlumsky, Dan Aykroyd, and Jamie Lee Curtis. It tells the tale of the two young stars becoming fast friends that eventually blooms into a first love interest story. The movie comes to a tragic ending, though, when Culkin's character Thomas dies from an allergic reaction to what? Not long after sharing his first kiss with Chlumsky's Vada. That's you're that's bad. You're just that's so sad. Yeah, man. It's like <laughs> bridge to Terabithia level. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I think. Oh, breaking all of our rules. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I think what, that this rules? is I think that this is not sad enough to uh, to fit into the don't bring everybody down category. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely up there, man. <laughs> uh, so the you guys know the answer. Has everybody seen my girl? Yeah, he got stung by bees. Bee sting. Yeah, bee stings is the, uh, the, the correct answer. <laughs> not the bees. Uh, all right. As we just pivot <laughs> that. was from the that. low-hanging bee joke. <laughs> right so back. this is right. what happens when you tell a downer joke. There's a silence in the room. And uh... <laughs> as we just pivot to Calvin, uh, who okay. maybe wrote something about Sting. I don't know. Let's find out. I may or may not. My question goes, the singer Sting has an extensive catalog of songs, but he earns nearly $2,000 a day thanks to what 1997 song, which was released in honor of the late Christopher Wallace. Every breath you take. Oh, wait. <laughs> so this is where I was like on the fence about wording and I wasn't super happy about it because the the less fun wording is, uh, but he earns nearly $2,000 a day due to being sampled in what 1997 song, which was released in honor of the late Oh, now that I know. That I'll know because technically Jeremy's joke answer was that's what the part that got sampled. Yeah. So I don't know officially how the term royalties work. If you get royalties based on your sample that gets used or if you get royalties based on the song that uses your sample. So maybe I should just go with being sampled in what 1997 song. So he earns a lot of money for a song that technically isn't his. um, P. Diddy never credited him. That's why... Exactly. Or he never got permission, so that's why he gets he wakes up and makes two thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Um. What? Oh my God, this is driving me nuts. What is the name? I know it's P Diddy. What is the name of the song? It's, I'll be I, missing you. I'll be missing. I'll you. be missing you. That's about, right. I'll be yeah. missing you. Yeah. I made the. Yeah. I did. That was a joke answer earlier. Where I said I'll be watching you because uh, every breath you take. Sorry, is yeah. what I was saying. Which was is, it? I think, legally the thing that he gets money for. Yeah. Right. You know, like it's he gets royalties on that song because it was sampled. By P. Diddy. So, in a real roundabout way, I'd have to say you were right. So, yeah. I think I'd have to go with my second wording due to being sampled in one 1997 song. Dude, I, what blows my mind about that? He makes $2,000 a day. A day. 
750,000 a year. Well, P. Diddy gets probably more than that for the full song, though, because no, it, they, because it's because P. Diddy didn't clear it with Sting beforehand. Normally, it's a 25 percent fee. Yeah. Uh, I think Oliver, you said this, right? Uh, Sting sued P. Diddy. And you get 100 percent. Oof. Yeah. So uh, all because P. Diddy forgot that you can't use other people's songs without their permission. So uh, let that be a lesson to all you aspiring musicians. Yeah, do not uh, steal anybody else's song. Um, looking at you, Glee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they left in, for those of you who don't know, uh, Glee took an acapella version of Baby Got Back uh, by Jonathan Colton and even left in the lyrics where they said uh, Johnny C., I don't know why everybody was saying Johnny C, but then they're like, oh, yeah, you should be grateful for the exposure. Ugh. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he does. A, it's a really good version of the song. Uh, Baby Got Back. It's just all acoustic. And uh, yeah, they totally ripped every lyrics, everything he changed in the song, particularly the Johnny C's the big part, um, like the, the style and everything. And they just did it. And they gave credit to Sir Mix-a-Lot, which isn't wrong, but they should have put. Yeah cover by jonathan colton yeah uh and they just didn't even mention him at all and then yeah the big argument was because he's creative commons they're like well we can do what we want there's no legally binding with creative commons and uh be glad for the exposure which there was no exposure yeah well jonathan colton aside jeremy where would people go if they wanted to vote on one of these four questions that does not belong to Corey (laughs) for (laughs) our keyword challenge today and somehow Corey's still going to win. I don't understand. Um, this happens every time. But uh, you can vote uh, on our Twitter poll at, at QuadriviaPod on Twitter or at our website, QuadriviaPodcast.com. There's a Google form to vote on. Wait, Corey won the colored circumcision one? <laughs> I believe so. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I make but- the joke because we always say Corey wins no matter what. And then in the episodes he's not on, he actually puts like an option on the, the quiz that says Corey wins anyway. <laughs> What a jerk. <laughs> or something along those lines. Uh, but yeah, no, I, he really does write good questions. I have to hand it to him, not to feed his ego. But uh, no, he has not won every single one. Uh, we just make the joke that he does. Yeah, um, I still can't get badger ass juice out of my head from episode <laughs> one or two. Oh, that's all the way back in episode one, bomber. wasn't that's it? That's my Barry Obama. Yeah, it was. Teledu was our very Teledu. first keyword. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, let's move on from that. Uh, like again, uh, quadriviapodcast.com to vote. Uh, and this brings us to this week's game. So take it away, Calvin. Okay. So we spent entire episode talking about kind of bad questions and we gave you our examples that we could remember. I thought what would be fun is to Google good trivia questions get a list and then just ask you guys some of the questions to see what you guys think about them. Maybe quickly discuss what's like a lot of times it should be blatantly obvious, but if you have something funny to say, go for it. Uh, So I'll ask you the question verbatim from the website, but then I'll also have a follow-up question. Uh, It might be, if the question I think is hard, it might have the same answer as the original question. If I think the question's easy, it might be a question that goes in a slightly different direction, but is tangentially related. So I think what we're going to do 10 questions. You guys can all just answer as a team, like talk through everything. Sounds good. And we can get started. So once again, uh, these are verbatim. Uh, I found a site that was 
be published these questions in June of 2020. So it should be pretty up to date for better, for worse. You didn't do your research. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's their research, not my research. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's get started with question number one. And once again, these are verbatim. I'm not changing their questions. Question number one, who has the most followers on Instagram as of April 2020? If I had to guess, I think it's Kylie Jenner, but I could be wrong about that. I was going to say, I know that she previously had the most liked image. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. It was overtaken by the Instagram egg. The egg, yeah, the egg. Okay, you're right. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, so I, I don't believe know. Would it anyone is... bet a dollar on their answer? No, I believe it is international sports superstar Cristiano Ronaldo. That's a that's a if that's not that, that would be if we were playing on a team. Let's imagine that we're at a at a pub. We're playing on a team together. I trust Oliver. That's yeah. that's that's a good yeah, guess. And I'm the I'm the and the, the reason I trust B that is because team. he is it's so <laughs> popular around the world. I could see that being the answer. But I believe before him it was Selena Gomez. She's up there. No, she's Twitter, I think. Yeah. So, anyways, um, again, this is only because of trivia that I would that I've looked this up before that I've been curious about it. Um, but otherwise, without. Any like previous knowledge, I would probably agree with you and say Kylie or what's the, what's what's the popular Kylie Kardashian Kylie. I think yes. it's Kylie Jenner. Yeah, yeah, that's so what I'm I would not going to tell you the answer, but I'll tell you my follow up question. The follow up question is: Who is by far the highest profile athlete to come from the tiny island of Madeira, located in the Atlantic Ocean? Hell, their airport was renamed after this person in 2016. With a go. great bust. Pele. Oh, wait. No, that's not right. <laughs> you didn't put the bust part in there? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I did not mention the bust part, but that's a fun story on its own. <laughs> uh, there's a real, uh, <laughs> uh, real silly looking bu- uh, bronze bust of this athlete, I think, at his inauguration. It's, uh, oh, that's right. I remember seeing that picture. His... It's like, it's scary. Yeah. Captured his likeness. It's like the monk. It's like the monkey Jesus of bronze busts. So, having heard that follow-up question, do we have an answer? Yeah. Cr seven. He's still seven. He no longer plays in Spain, but he plays in Italy. That is Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. So Cristiano Ronaldo has the most followers. An airport named after him on a small island in the Atlantic, and a silly-looking bronze statue. <laughs> Let's move on well to done. question number two. Which Japanese spirit is served warm? God, this is this pains me to say these oh. questions. It, it, okay, well, it, it's probably sake is what they're looking for. Yeah, but it's, it's not the sake. only one, so I don't like that question. But yes, sake it's an ambiguous popular. question. Sake is what we know, and it's not wrong. I guess they never said what. I guess it implies it's the only, but it's not explicitly stating it's the only one so but like could could any of you name another japanese spirit exactly no um i mean if i, I thought about I one, I probably I another. Name, i could name one but it's not served warm it's midori the melon liqueur that's not japanese that's like that's like the chinese food of you know <laughs> that's like the general Tsao's chicken of of liquor you know but it's name okay, is midori so 
as you argue about, you'll have plenty of time to argue about Asian spirits because the follow-up question goes like this. What alcohol, as long as it's under 25% ABV, can be served in restaurants across California without a full liquor license, only requiring a beer and wine license? And I'm going to look up to see if this is true in Illinois. I, I think it is because um, some of the Japanese steakhouses don't have a full liquor license. They just serve beer and wine, but they also serve sake. That's interesting because normally, I even though it is rice wine, I don't think of it as that. I think of it as a spirit. So that's a that's a fun way to turn it around on the players and uh, say. I remember. I never said that all the answers are going to be the same. Oh, I guess that's true. So this one is actually not sake. He's a Midori. <laughs> nope, it's not Midori either. Good. I would have felt dumb. <laughs> um, Japanese spirit, another Japanese spirit. I never said Japanese either. I said, what alcohol, as long as it's under 25% ABV, can be served in restaurants across California, only requiring a beer and wine license. You do not need a full liquor license. And in case... In San Francisco, at least, a beer and wine license is, oh, I don't want to make up numbers, but I think it's like between two and $400-ish, and a full liquor license can easily run you five digits. So um, so is it just like rice wine then? Nope. It has a name. Huh. Soju. It was petitioned for by a certain restaurant owners association in Los Angeles, actually. And specifically, it was the Korean Restaurant Owners Association who argued that it was of cultural significance that they be allowed to sell this alcohol using only a beer and wine license. So California caved and allowed them to sell it. So, yes, it is soju, which is a Korean distilled liqueur. And there's a lot of places in San Francisco that will do soju Bloody Marys because they don't need the full liquor license to serve them. That's really interesting. Soju. And you're being I tricky. Wish... You're being tricky because yeah. I was like, no, because I'm setting it. Sake. I'm setting it. <laughs> okay. Question number three. What famous play was transformed into a major motion picture in 2019? Jesus. <laughs> Ugh. God, these, Just say it. These hurt. Just say it. Just these say hurt. it, right? Like, it hurts me to say it. Ugh. It hurts me to say it more than it hurts me to watch it. Okay, this part can be cut. My cat was like digging and howling at the door. And I'm like, I, I muted in time, but I'm like, I'm not going to be able to talk. Well, your cat picked the perfect question to interrupt because what, yeah, what famous play was transformed into a major motion picture in 2019? Oh, well, if you said that, was it <laughs> I'm cat out. on a hot tin? Oh, just cats. Just oh my cats. God. It's oh, cats. Cats. Yes. <laughs> Follow-up question. That's a musical, though. I guess that's a point. There have been four Tony Best Musical winners with titles of a single word, each one exactly four letters long. I want you to name as many as you can. Oh, this is a Corey question right here. Uh, I've heard this question before. Um, Cats being one. Yes. Once being another. Yes. I don't think Rent was. Was Rent, rent was. on there? Oh, Rent yes. was. Okay. And frankly, um, if I were to ask a question live, that would I would ask for three. The other yeah. two are too obscure. Yeah, I don't remember the other two. I do know those three, though, because I got those three right, and that was the question to answer three of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine was the other one. The nine. Oh, right? Nine. Okay. And then there's one more that's 1776, but it's not a word. But if whoever put it, I'd probably give. Yeah. Okay. Ham. So that was. It was just ham, H A M M. Question number four Which royal couple recently asked to be relieved of their duties? So I'm assuming. If this was a recently asked one, is uh, Meghan Markle 
and uh, what's his name? Harry. Her husband. Harry. Harry. Yes. Prince Harry. Meghan yeah. Markle and Prince Harry. Good job. Um, You're up to date on your current uh, events. This is where you do the cringy part and you get Prince Andrew. And I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go in a different direction. Speaking of Prince... No, I'm kidding. It's not Prince Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> In her vows to Prince Harry, what single word did Meghan Markle omit from the traditional wedding vow? The same word that Diana omitted from her vows to Prince Charles. I'm trying to go through the vows real quick because I know I know which one it is. Uh, is it? It's a single it's a word. Fi- five letter word? Did you say? I never said it was a five letter word. Oh, okay. Is it obey? It's just a single word. Yes. To honor and obey is a bit of an antiquated term for a woman to say when getting married to. Anyone. So uh, Obey was removed by Diana and also removed by Megan. When she I like that. That's Harry. a good question. Yeah, good honor. That, that, but that's a good trivia question. It is. Mm-hmm. The second part, not the first part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number five. This is the only spotty one. And I'm really annoyed that this was brought up earlier in the podcast, but that's fine. Uh, your question number five goes... Which young artist recently claimed five Grammys at the 2020 Grammy Awards? Ooh, Christopher Chris Cross. Cross. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Billie um, Eilish. Adele, Billie Eilish, young, yes. Isn't she? Yes, it's Billie Eilish. Uh, I didn't have a good question to build off of it. So my follow-up question is just simply, what artist was the first artist born after 9-11, speaking of downers, to have a number one single on the Billboard Hot 100? I, I think I've asked that one. Uh, post 2000. Ah, uh, post 2000. That way you, you don't have to add a whole 9/11. year and a half onto that. I know, fact. but then you don't have to mention 9 11. I think Lil Nas X comes real close. That's the only reason why I went with the 9 11 one. I think Lil Nas X was born like 99, uh, like late okay. 99. But yes. So Billy Eyelash for both of our <laughs> answers. 1999. You're right. Uh, brings us on to question number six. <sighs> I think we've all heard some variation of this, so you guys will know this, but a normal trivia goer might not. What is Triskaidekaphobia the fear of? That's the number 13. Man. Isn't that so stupid? Is like, does Triskaida mean 13 in Greek or Latin uh, or whatever? Triska, oh, Triska, Triska and Deca. Triska and Deca. Yeah, so it's uh, Deca. Triska Decaphobia. So Triska is the three, Deca is the 10. But okay, brief tangent, personal pet peeve. I still think most phobias are made up. Like, I think it's just like one person who's like, this should be a phobia. I don't think it's like anyone agreed on it. It's just so like, if you're asking phobia questions, it's like, I don't think it's really founded. I don't think it's a central authority of phobias. I don't think it's a medically recognized condition. So I think all phobia questions are kind of bunk. But that's just my take on it. Hot take. My, my favorite phobia is this one, and I am going to try to not butcher this. Oh, God, hit me. Uh, Hippopotamonstrosesquideliophobia. Is the fear of horses nope. doing that, horsey things to you? The fear of long words? It's the fear of long words. Yeah. Oh, piss no. off. I, my, <laughs> my personal favorite is iabophobia, which is a fear of palindromes. Uh, see, they're all made up. Yeah. It's all made up. Yeah, they're not real. Games. It's just some one be like, ha, this would be a fun phobia. I'm going to make a clever thing about it. I'm going to so make a really long word be the fear of long words. Like Exactly. Like Let's just do that. Uh, so my follow-up to this one is my attempt at rewording it just a little bit, but Triskaidekaphobists hate playing a chromatic scale, which contains how many notes? 
Oh, there you go. I don't know anything about music, so I wouldn't know that one either. Uh, I mean, you know things about. But Greek again, roots? that that makes the question good because you have another in. Now you've got the music side of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying me personally. So if you look at a piano, or do you know how many notes are in a scale? Yeah. The the it goes. There are twelve notes. Uh, from one root note to the other. So when you play a scale, you start at one octave yep. and end on that note in a higher octave. So if you play all twelve chromatic notes, you have to end on the other one. Yep. So it's a 13 note scale. Major scales have eight notes because it's inclusive, therefore 13. Okay, moving on. Once again, verbatim, name all four books in the Twilight series. Oh, Jesus. Twilight. Yes. New Moon. Yes. Breaking Dawn. Breaking yes. Dawn and... Uh, We're missing one in between New Moon and Breaking Dawn. Eclipse. Uh, Twilight. Twilight. No, not Twilight. No, Eclipse. Um, Eclipse. Thank you. Eclipse. Twilight, New Moon, Eclipse, Breaking Dawn. Good job. <laughs> and here is my follow-up question. Uh, fittingly named, what is author Stephanie Meyer's favorite band? Because of this, their songs have been a part of three of the Twilight movie soundtracks. And... This is where the question gets long. Their bassist, however, commented about that. You have to take every opportunity you get in the United States. And sometimes you have to sell your soul. Uh, that would be Muse, if I remember correctly. They did Neutron Star Collision. I don't know any of the other Twilight songs that they wrote for Stephanie. But yes, Stephanie Meyer would listen to Muse, apparently, all day while she wrote her Twilight songs. So fitting name. Uh, I think they'll just take the popularity. <laughs> so yes, Muse, good call. I mean, they were already semi-popular before, but yeah, that I will say that those soundtracks probably pushed them to... I feel like the overlap of OG Muse fans and Twilight fans isn't very high. No, though. definitely not. Uh, but it still brought in a new fan base to Muse. Um, you know, as a band that, that's trying to make it, take what you can get. I don't blame them. Uh, I'll, I'm using all of these questions as minor jump-off points for my comments but uh the, the twilight soundtracks have surprisingly good artist lineups like they're really good like i think the first twilight soundtrack featured a duet with bonnie Vare and saint vincent like how could twilight get those two artists to do a duet together i don't really care but i'm happy that they did so uh <laughs> Deep, deep down, I have a real soft spot for the Twilight soundtracks because they're just really good artists on it. So something good came out of that. Okay, next up, we're going to move on to another question. Uh, what is the National Animal of Canada? Well, because of the last question, I want to say it's a werewolf, but... <laughs> is it a beaver? Sexy werewolf. Yeah, no. I, I would I would or guess beaver. That would be my guess. And see, I was going to guess moose. No, I think I see beaver as a joke more, though. Well, but I, I could see... They have a moose on some of their flags and stuff up there, though. Well, yeah, they have they have the <clears throat> they have the loon on their coins, uh, and uh, moose, caribou. Uh, I, see, I I want to say that I remember hearing that it's like uh, beavers hardworking or something like that, and that's why they that why, that's why they chose that. But that could totally be my brain playing tricks on me. But that my my strongest inclination would be towards the beaver. Okay, yeah, I've got no thunder on moose other than like it just makes me think of Canada. But uh, I would go with beaver because that I mean, hell, Scotland is the freaking unicorn. So 
this one makes more sense than unicorn. Uh, yes, they are industrious, hardworking little fellows. So they are represented by a beaver. Yay. My brain isn't uh, crazy. So that's not the worst question. Like of the lot, I'm okay-ish with that one. But yeah. uh, my spinoff, my follow-up to you is a very similar, officially adopted in 1949. What is the state bird of New Mexico? Roadrunner? Yeah, that's my first My first guess is to go with Roadrunner. I think it's the Roadrunner, and it was based off the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, wasn't it? Oh, he but left at Albuquerque? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, Albuquerque's a big thing in Looney Tunes. I don't know. Well, but yep. he's, he's yeah. talking specifically about Bugs Bunny saying, I missed my left turn at Albuquerque. Regardless, your inclination towards Looney Tunes is correct. The Roadrunner, adopted in 1949, is the state bird of New Mexico. Uh, I like that question because it's fun, and it's also proof that, in my opinion, that not all short questions are necessarily bad. Uh, next question. I think this is number nine. Which celebrity is launching her beauty line with Sephora in June 2020? <laughs> That's all you get. That's <laughs> Come honestly on. all you get. <laughs> you have absolutely nothing. There's a Gwyneth Paltrow joke in here somewhere, and I'm just going to uh, stop yeah. there. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of celebrities that don't already have a Sephora line. Are we going back to Billie Eilish? Billie Eilish. <laughs> I, I literally have no clue on this one, to be honest, though. I mean, we're joking, but I I know nothing about beauty products. And it already and launched, the, so. For the audience members that do know, how the hell are we supposed to know this other than following <laughs> Sephora News? Okay. Um, I might... I'll tell you my follow-up question, but it kind of tells you who the answer is. Uh, Selena Gomez fans <laughs> interpreted her song Wolves as a story about her grappling with what illness? She has denied the symbolism. So She's um, a werewolf? Brief pause. <laughs> uh, yes, Selena Gomez launched her beauty line in June 2020, apparently. Her line's called Rare Beauty. Just to close up that thing. And then, yes, the follow-up question is, Selena Gomez fans interpreted her song Wolves as a story about her grappling with what illness? She's denied the symbolism. Lycanthropia? Deep, deep down, whenever the full moon comes around, Selena Gomez eats the flesh of human beings. <laughs> and small woodland creatures. Wait, is, is this really a conspiracy theory that she's a werewolf? No, no. No, oh. no, that's not correct. I'm like, what it's the not, hell? It's not true. Uh, it's a, I, I was going to guess bipolar it's a good disorder. Question. It's a good question. If, if or something I, like that. Once, I'll repeat Lupus. it for you guys. Lupus. Selena Lupus. Gomez fans interpreted her song Wolves as a story about her grappling with what illness? She's denied the symbolism. If I, rem- yeah. if I remember I correctly, it. unlike Dr. House, I believe the answer is at least this one time, Lupus. It yep. is Lupus. Ah, oh, there we go. Did you guys not just hear me say Lupus 12 times? No, yes. <laughs> I, I, did not. I honestly did not. <laughs> but it's never lupus, except for the one time it was. I like this question because if you are a Selena Gomez stan, you will know the answer outright and you don't need to critically think at all. But for everyone else who is not a Selena Gomez fan, after you roll out lycanthropy, you can maybe get to lupus based on, on wolves, the word yeah. wolf. Okay, and that brings us to our last question. 
which is, what is the most commonly transplanted organ from living donors? From living donors? Uh, yeah. If I had to guess, it would be kidney. Yeah, that's because the, you have two that's of them. The most, yeah, because that's the most, uh, in general, both longest waiting list um, and popular organ. I know but you can why? also do, um, you could do a lobe of your liver. I think I just said liver, but you could do a, <laughs> you could do a lobe of your liver. And I think you could also do a lung. But other than that, I don't know how much, what other options there are for living donors to give maybe bone marrow. No, that's, oh, not, that's not an organ. That's not an organ that's though. It's an organ though. Not an um, organ. So which organ are you locking in with? I, I would My say guess kidney, would be kidneys for because sure. Because I I know people that have donated kidneys, so yeah. Good anecdotal evidence. It is indeed a kidney, most likely because you have two, and you okay. only need one. Mm-hmm. So follow-up question: In 1904, scientist Carl Landsteiner developed what modern medical classification? The his paper that he published also articulated the dangers of agglutination in the patient if the classifications are not heeded. Okay, agglutination got it. it it's um. Diabetes would be my guess. What modern medical classification? That, that's where I got lost. I don't necessarily know what that means. He classified something medical. He 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 put things into different mm. categories. I'm intentionally uh, avoiding uh, the uncertain synonym that would give the it away. Term uses, yeah, exactly. Based on what you said about trying not to say the word. Uh, I I would guess, uh, considering that we're talking about organ organ donation, would be blood type. That's a classification, I, yeah. I think you're right, and I think do you know what happens is, if you is, use the yes. wrong blood type? It coagulates, right? It gets all lumpy and solid. Yes. So Carl Landsteiner developed our ABO blood type classification in 1904. So prior to that, uh, I think. Basically, blood transfusions were just not done because if you play the probability, a lot of the patients died. <laughs> so he finally figured out that, oh, certain blood types go with other blood types. So yeah, his research led to the first blood transfusion. Go figure. So that's the tangent from uh, kidney transplants. Ah, well, you certainly did a pretty fantastic job of making some lemonade from lemons that's for sure oh my gosh there's about a hundred questions i will admit there's like a loose handful of questions i consider asking but man there's some bad ones in that list (laughs) so yeah uh those are some examples of questions that we would immediately put on the cutting room floor and then followed up by some questions that are a little more deserving of a spot in our trivia question lineups. We also talked a lot about what makes a bad question. I think we have the inklings of a discussion where we're going to talk more about what makes a good question because we've talked a lot of trash, but we haven't proved yet that we can uh, do exactly what we say. So we're going to formulate that and look for that in a future episode. Yeah, I mean, we hit on some of those topics where we'll definitely expound on that and what it means and how you do that <laughs> as we uh, record that episode in the near future. And one last thing that I want to mention before uh, we get on out of your hair tonight. Um, when we talk about bad questions and trying to avoid them and stuff, all of us, everybody that has been on the podcast has asked bad questions. We've all done 
the things that we were saying is stuff that we try to avoid. And that's how we learned not to do those things as because we have real life experience of them not working well. So if we have been talking for the last hour or so, and it feels like we are personally attacking you, we are not. If you are a trivia writer or someone that just likes to play around with trivia in your spare time, these are just some examples of things that you can do to avoid uh, a bad end result when asking your questions to other people. By no means are we trying to be offensive or mean or, or calling people out for being bad writers. These are just some things that we all try to do to make our questions just a little bit better. So uh, hopefully uh, we can all take these things to avoid and make our questions a little bit better in the future. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, there's no way that in the future we're never going to ask a bad question either. <laughs> so yeah, just, as Jeff said, just to reiterate, like, um, we're human too. We make mistakes, but we, we, this is the stuff that we've learned and we're just hopefully sharing it with you guys. So, and on that note, all right, let's, uh, let's, uh, work on our, uh, <laughs> our horrible outros on this show here and, uh, get to some plugs. Uh, let's just, uh, go the same order. Uh, Jeff, uh, where can everybody find you? You can find me on the interwebs. Uh, I'm at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at RMT trivia. Uh, and you can find me streaming on Twitch on Wednesday evenings at uh, twitch.tv slash RMT Trivia. Uh, come stop by. Say hello. Um, you can find Oliver at uh, Speakeasy Trivia on on the internet and on Instagram. I have a weekly Zoom show. You'll have to email me personally to get the link. Um, and there you go. Uh, what's, your, what's that email address? Where can they reach you to get on that uh, Zoom show? It, it's like a speakeasy. You got to know someone. <laughs> nice cover no it'll be on the i'll put it up on the site uh i'm jeremy with uh liquid courage trivia uh courage with a k because uh jason who came up with the name apparently couldn't spell uh <laughs> you can find me on uh twitter at jerwg and on twitch at twitch.tv slash lk jeremy as in liquid courage jeremy and i am calvin i uh run footnote trivia uh, you can find me on the internet at footnotetrivia.com. I also host a weekly Zoom game. If you're interested in signing up, you can do so on my website. Awesome. And you can contact us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. Send those keywords. Send your comments. Send an email you want read on the show. Um, our the As you saw earlier, if you listen to the earlier episodes, uh, we got an email that asked us a couple of questions that turned into an entire, I think, two-episode uh two different roundtables uh, because they were really good questions. So yeah, shoot us an email. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you don't like about the show. Uh, we can take criticism. I promise. Um, <laughs> just uh, put any criticism, uh, re- uh, attention, Corey. Um, you can find <laughs> us on, t- <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at quadrivia pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash quadrivia pod. And uh, our website, www.quadriviapodcast.com. All right. Until uh, next week, everybody, uh, have a great week. Play some trivia. And uh, again, shoot us a message. Uh, what are your favorite bad questions? Or, you know, what do you think was a really good question? Because we're going to have that coming up on a future show. Uh, so we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. I love you.
I thought the uh, Sting Pain Index went um, Englishman in New York, Shape of My Heart, and then Fields of Gold, number one. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh... Oh. (laughs) And we're just unsubscribed to the podcast. (laughs) 